Welcome to Aina Insights, where prominent leaders and influencers shaping the industrial and industrial technology sector discuss topics that are critical for executives, boards, and investors. Aina Insights is brought to you by Aina.ai, a firm focused on working with industrial companies to make them unrivaled segment of one leaders. To learn more about Aina.ai, please visit our website at www.aina.ai. Good morning, folks. Welcome to an exciting episode of our Future of Infrastructure podcast series hosted by INA Insights. Uh, today, I'm really excited to welcome a very special guest, Tricia Brieger. She's the president and CEO of Mitsubishi Electric Power Products. Headquartered in Pennsylvania, Mitsubishi Electric Power Products is a U.S. affiliate of Mitsubishi Electric Corporation of Japan, and they serve the North American power system, rail transportation, and large visual display markets with their electrical and electronic products, systems, and services. MEPPI has 38 locations across the U.S. with approximately 4,000 employees. Trisha had joined the company in 2000 as a sales engineer in the gas circuit breaker division. And over the course of a remarkable 23-year career, has climbed to the ladder of being the president and CEO of the company, to which she was recently appointed in April 2023. So, Trisha, welcome to our podcast. We are super excited to have you and are looking forward to talking about your journey as well as what you're up to at MEPPI. Great. Thank you so much, Gaurav. I'm very glad to be here and excited about the topic today uh, myself. Super. Uh, so, Trisha, I think uh, maybe we get going by talking about MEPPI first. Could you give us a sense of what the company's overall vision and strategy is? What are you guys targeting over the next uh, four to five years in terms of priorities? Absolutely. Uh, we actually like to call ourselves MEPI. M-E-P-P-I, as you had mentioned, uh, stands for Mitsubishi Electric Power Products Incorporated. And as you may know, we're a wholly owned subsidiary of the Mitsubishi Electric Corporation in Japan. And you've mentioned some of the diverse markets that we serve. I also want to mention that MEPI is a very customer-focused organization, and we consider ourselves a technology company. We engineer, we manufacture, and we deliver highly reliable, innovative solutions for our customers. And from a culture perspective, we like to say we combine the best of Japanese and American cultures. So as CEO and president first, I'm very humbled to have this role and lead our organization forward. I oversee business strategy, growth, business development, and of course, our overall operations. We are decentralized. We have several locations across the US and a location in Europe. And my top priority is to position MEPI as a leader in engineering the infrastructure of the future. That's really our purpose. And it starts with our customers. Again, by providing those highly valued engineered solutions with that long-standing quality of the Mitsubishi Electric brand. So you asked about the next 5, 10, or 20 years. I'll tell you, most all of our customers have set very ambitious goals during that time period, specifically in the areas of digitization and decarbonization. So we at MEPI, we've sharpened our focus on long-term collaboration with our customers to make sure that we understand exactly what their needs are and when so we can advance the current technologies that we make and we can be prepared for the technology developments of the future. 
You know, we are almost 40 years old here at MEPI. We've been partnering with electric power utilities throughout that entire duration. We support the transportation passenger rail industry, as you mentioned, the data center market, which is experiencing incredible growth. And you also mentioned those visual uh, display screens where we support stadiums and arenas for the NFL, uh, MBA, or even Division I college sports. So a lot to be excited about at MEPI. Our top priority is to serve our customers excellently. And in the next 5, 10, 20 years, they're going to put us to the challenge because our markets are really growing. I'm glad you mentioned that, Trisha, because there is, I mean, uh, being in the sector, there is a sense of optimism and a resurgent interest, which at least my career is shorter, but I haven't really seen that in the in, in the past. So would love to get your thoughts on how you think about the current period. Is it different from what you've seen in the past? Will it be a new renaissance for in- infrastructure, in the in, at least in North America? How do you view that? You know, I mean, those are all good questions. Is it a new renaissance? Is this period different than the past? You know, energy transitions, if I can talk about energy for a little bit, energy transitions aren't necessarily new. But what is new and what we're seeing today is the scale and the timeline. Unprecedented growth in this really short time frame, I think is really going to be a challenge for all of us. So when we talk about that, and again, I had mentioned we consider ourselves a technology company. So how do we bring these solutions to the table for our customers We want to tackle it shoulder to shoulder with them, understand what their needs are, whether it's in the utility market, the data center market, or the rail market, make sure that we're developing the right technologies at the right time. We're really going to tackle this, I would say, in a phased approach where any market or customer that's going through a significant transition, like the energy transition, they're going to do it in phases. What technologies or improvements in technologies do they need today that'll get us through the next maybe three to five years? What are those bridging technologies that are going to get us to our future? That's 2035 plus. And on the energy side, I think 2035 plus, you're going to see technologies that change the game, change the game in terms of clean and green power generation, change the game with long-term storage even change the game with improvements in existing technologies, whether it's power electronics or nuclear technologies, for example. So it is a renaissance of of sorts. It's a fantastic transition that we have ahead of us. And our goal is to stay connected with that customer, help them today, help them bridge to the future, and then be there for the long run. We're a long-term player in this market, and we're excited uh, to support it as it makes this significant transition. Really exciting to hear a leader from the space talk about the, I think the opportunity which kind of lays in front of us, challenging but unprecedented, but nonetheless opportunity over the next few years. So Trisha, maybe on the other side of the pendulum, from a macroeconomic perspective, we are seeing interest rates and inflation probably very different from what at least we have been used to over the last decade or two decades. What is, what is your outlook on those metrics and then how are you positioning MEPI to kind of at least navigate through those, through those times? You know, even during these economic times and the macroeconomic uh, impact uh, that we've all experienced over the last few years, our customers have still set aggressive goals. And so these aggressive goals are going to drive unprecedented growth, expansion, and innovation in the industries that we serve. So what does that mean for MEPI? 
It means that we need to bring those new technologies to the forefront faster. And we actually need to deliver higher volumes of product on more aggressive timelines. So that means we have to play offense if we're going to support our customers in this kind of market, whether it's electric power, data centers, or transportation. So offense translates to product developments. It translates to capital investments that will strengthen us and really strengthen the overall supply chain uh, that supports these markets. So you'll hear me say this maybe a few times today. I believe those of us that are supporting these markets that I've referenced, we need to perform excellently, all of us, to meet the aggressive goals and timelines that are in front of us. And as I'd mentioned, Mepi, we consider ourselves to be a technology leader. So these are very exciting times for us. So we want to make the appropriate investments, whether it's product investments or capital investments, to deliver those next innovative technologies and deliver our product at higher volumes because that's what's being asked of us. That's what's needed to support the transition that our markets are undergoing. That's uh, terrific to hear, Trisha. So talking a little bit about, I think you mentioned uh, uh, you are you're part of a fully owned subsidiary of uh, a Japanese company. I think in, in typical times, we've heard about how difficult it is to be a successful business while working in a more cross-border context. We already have been blessed by COVID over the last few years, which I couldn't have imagined made, made life easier. So would love to just understand how have you thought about that the, the both the positives and some of the challenges which come through a cross-border kind of a uh, business model, as well as how COVID might have changed your thinking or things which might have been effects which are lingering still for the business. So uh, I think your question is referencing to success as a global organization yeah. and in particular, a global organization success through COVID. So <laughs> it's been, it's been quite, well, yeah. uh, quite a few years. And so of course, what stands out is supply chain, and, and we do deploy a global supply chain. So supply chain challenges and increases in cost and lead times, whether it's from foreign or domestic suppliers, it's been a global problem that's impacted all businesses, and of course, it's impacted MEPI. And these circumstances have led MEPI to aggressively pursue more supply chain diversification, and that includes understanding the regionality of your supply chain and making the right decisions to uh, support your business uh, through any kind of uh, interruption uh, or hurdle. That means advanced supply chain logistics, improvements in inventory management. I will tell you that we've gotten a lot smarter throughout this period. We've looked at our supply chains with a more critical eye and we've been addressing vulnerabilities, some of which were honestly less risky in the past, but we've, we've gained a, a lot of knowledge on how to secure our supply chain and, and we've made and we continue to make appropriate investments in that area. I would, no one I, I, I would claim is perfect. Uh, we are continuing to learn how to do that better. In these economic times, you know, I have to talk a little bit about low unemployment and steady job growth uh, that has increased the competition for talent. You know, within the markets that we serve, um, there's a constant need for skilled workers and experienced professionals. So human resources is really at the top of my list uh, when I'm thinking about what we need to secure as an organization. 
I will tell you, if you can give me a, a moment to say that MEPI is a great place to work. I talk a, a bit about our culture early on and combining the best of our, our, our Japan and American cultures. Our desire is to be a technology leader and to serve our markets and our customers excellently. And we have to be committed to our employees to do that, not only to attract the talent that we need in this market, which is quite difficult, but work on retaining and supporting our employees by first giving them a strong sense of purpose. I think that's important uh, to the workforce today. And we are, you know, we have that opportunity right in front of us when we serve these dynamic markets, such as the electric power industry, data centers, and transportation. We invest heavily in training and developing our employees, leadership programs. We do deploy a flexible hybrid work model, and we uh, take uh, our uh, pay very seriously and make sure that we put uh, competitive pay and benefits in front of our employees. So I'm very proud uh, of our people and our organization. And we'll tell you that talent and resources uh, are so important to the success of what we're trying to do for our customers uh, and within our markets, that it is always on the, the front of my mind. And it's awesome that you said that, Trisha. You kind of anticipated a question I would have asked you around talent and resourcing, given how critical, as you said, very rightly, that the competition is much higher and with the generations going through their own uh, dynamic changes. It's just a very different field these days. So great to hear about what MEPI and how you are positioning that in terms of attracting and retaining the, the talent. Uh, Trisha, maybe another offshoot of that, uh, you talked about MEPI as a technology company. I mean, we are living, I think, again, every year seems to be like an accelerated disruption. Now the latest buzzword is generative AI and chat GPT pervading every part of our life. How How is, in your experience and, and outlook, AI and these technologies, are they going to change business for MEPI specifically and just the industrial landscape um, as, as a whole? So that's a big question, uh, right? The, another thing that a lot of business leaders are thinking about today, you know, I do believe we're, of course, at the very early stages of understand, understanding generative AI's impact and influence uh, to any of our businesses. Um, but I do believe that generative AI is going to launch us into this transformative era uh, in technology, and it will significantly impact our business, and we can guide it and steer it in a way to impact our business for the better. You know, when you look back in history, if you draw lessons from prior technological cycles, for example, I would expect generative AI will drive automation. I would expect it will increase efficiency gains. It will bring more innovation uh, across our industry and potentially, potentially reshape business models uh, and even reshape supply chains that we talked about. I do believe that companies that successfully integrate generative AI into their operations stand to gain a competitive advantage. So I don't want to sit on the sideline here at MEPI. Again, you know, we consider ourselves a technology company. So we need to get started. We have initiated trials of AI across our business to test its efficacy in multiple business cases. And we're gonna to continue to do that. These controlled trials in different business segments, applying a few guide rails as we use this new technology to learn. And that's been our approach. Jump in, talk about the potential benefits of this tool. And those benefits are evolving. You know, month over month, these tools are, are becoming uh, more um, effective. Uh, there's more options on how to use them. Uh, they're getting smarter, so to speak. 
I do believe the best way to learn is to jump in and apply the tools to your business with some guidelines, some review of risk, as well as reward, and then continue to be a user. And that's our intention here at MEPI. Uh, we're going to continue to use this tool uh, intelligently and in a way that'll bring benefit to our business. And that's very, that's great to hear, Trisha, because I think, I think we agree with you. I think you, at least not sitting on the sidelines, this, we can be sure that's not the right answer. And I think figuring out the answer for yourself and trying things out is probably the right way to go. So great to see maybe making strides there. So Trisha, I think we talked about generative AI. Another element which obviously is top of mind for business leaders these days is ESG. Would love to get your perspective on how that has shaped decision-making and strategy at MEPI, and then specifically all the opportunities and challenges you kind of have to deal with it with respect to ESG as you do look at your day-to-day -day businesses. Great. Thank you so much. ESG, another big topic. So that's a big question. And I will say, and we've talked about this a bit, you know, MEPI is a facilities owner. So we own factories and several facilities were decentralized. So we have locations across North America and we want to be a responsible facility owner when it comes to our environmental responsibility, which we take very seriously. We also want to be a good corporate citizen within the communities where we work and where we serve. So we have what I would call internal company responsibilities that we take seriously, but we also have this unique opportunity to make a broader impact by supporting our customers, particularly our utility customers and their efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and support them in clean energy uh, generation, distribution and transmission. And we do that with some pretty, what I think are very cool and novel products. We have a vacuum circuit breaker, that replaces the use of a global uh, warming gas, uh, SF6 particularly. We have power electronics on the distribution and transmission grid that really aid and assist uh, the use and, and, and the interconnection of renewable generation sources and distributed uh, energy resources. So we're excited to support these products. We're excited to bring them to our utility customers and support the overall transition of the power grid to clean and green. But on the social sustainability side, you know, we focus on software that helps interconnect these renewable energy resources, bring them to the distribution grid, and again, within the communities that we serve, uh, step into that social responsibility of bringing our products to utility customers that have a direct impact on consumers. And from a governance perspective, again, I would believe that strong governance practices are essential for any business. We believe here in transparency, accountability, and ethical business content. MEPI has always been committed to good governance principles and how we work and how we conduct our business. Great, great to hear, Brisha. I think MEPI is one of the unique companies, which is not only just incorporating ESG in their own activities, but many ways facilitating the transition for the for the broader ecosystem as well. So thanks for your thoughts there. So Trisha, maybe moving a little bit to your personal journey away from the business discussions. I think your trajectory is remarkable, right? I mean, you joined MEPI as a sales engineer, and now I'm talking to you as the president and CEO of the, of the company. Would love to just understand, or if it's okay to share some experiences that kind of shape your leadership style, particularly as you look at the generation of leaders who are potentially listening to you right now and are coming up, like what would be the lessons you'd like to share with them in terms of leadership? 
you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to share what's worked for me. And, you know, it's not a one size fits all. But I will say that some of my early leadership positions that really shaped how I see a, a business and an opportunity and see our customers would be the service management roles that I had held early on in my career. You know, I was given the opportunity to build a team from the ground up and build a team that was focused on the customer and taking excellent care of that customer. Doing some of the things that I talked about, being transparent, being accountable, and being responsible. And that has stayed with me. Customer care has stayed with me throughout my entire career. We really look to our customers here at MEPI as being the North Star to our business. And it's our customers that have really guided us towards new product developments, and in some cases, uh, even new markets. You know, customer care influences my decision-making. And, you know, I had learned over my career that you want to deliver all the news quickly, honestly, and transparently. You know, you want to do what you say you're going to do. I mean, that's been fundamental throughout my career. I will say this comes from my service days. I do believe every problem can also be an opportunity. It depends on how you respond to it. And over the years, I've really learned to embrace change because change is an opportunity for growth. I've also had the benefit of having great mentors here at MEPI. We have strong leadership. We have an excellent culture. And I've always embraced learning, continual learning. We use a a phrase here, be a student of your business and embrace continual learning. And I will tell you over the last few years, when COVID uh, put challenges to us that we had never seen before, we needed to be a student again. And we needed to study how were we going to succeed in this environment. And I'm I'm a big believer in that. And I do that to this day and will continue uh, to be a student as long as I run business. Thank you, Jashan. Definitely taking away transparency and learning to be a student uh, with me as well. I think those are excellent idioms to keep keeping with us. So, Trisha, maybe the final question for you. I think, as you know, we we focus on the infrastructure market as in terms of our business as well. And one uh, theme which has been consistent, maybe not not in the most exciting way, is that we feel the infrastructure sector by itself doesn't get its fair due in terms of the value it generates for the society and even as businesses. So would love to just end this on, on a note of you lead, a, obviously, a, a, a major player in the sector. How do you think about value creation for MEPI? And then what kind of lessons could your peers take from you in terms of what how you drive that at MEPI? You know, I also uh, am a big fan of infrastructure, as you would imagine. And our purpose is to engineer the infrastructure of tomorrow. And to do it within these dynamic markets that are making such a significant change in technology that is going to change the infrastructure that we all experience as consumers, you know, in the power industry, even the data center industry and the change and the evolution that's going through is going to help us live lives that are more data intensive and and with with, no delays, low latency uh, allows us to use new technologies and tools in transportation whether we're electrifying transportation or whether we're moving into autonomous transportation. So it's such an exciting time to be in the infrastructure business. And this one of the reasons I wanted to join you today is I like to talk about it. I like to highlight that you know, technology companies 
are going to step in and make significant changes in our markets, in our industries that we haven't seen in years. And it's exciting to be a part of. And so I hope other um, engineers and professionals that have an interest in making an impact in big infrastructure areas like power, like transportation, like data, look to technology companies as an exciting opportunity to make a contribution. So I've always enjoyed power systems. I've always enjoyed uh, the infrastructure segment. And I've got to honestly tell you, it's never been a more exciting time. So I'm always happy to talk about it and uh, excited about how we, MEPI, can contribute uh, to our customers and to our markets, but just in general to to observe and be a, a general contributor to these transitions is just something I get excited about, as you can probably tell. <laughs> definitely. I can definitely feel the excitement as well in, in your voice, Trisha. So uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Trisha, both in terms of sharing your lessons as a leader at MEPI, but also in your personal capacity. I think uh, the infrastructure sector is lucky to have leaders like you. And um, I think you're hopefully the enthusiasm, the excitement you have will pervade others as well. So appreciate you taking the time. And once again, thanks a lot for your thoughts, Trisha. Thank you. Thank you, Gaurav. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ina Insights. Please visit Ina.ai for more podcasts, publications, and events on developments shaping the industrial and industrial technology sector.